Turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then I'm going to read two other portions of Scripture to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12. And for those of you taking notes, the other Scriptures will be on the screen in just a moment in 2 Timothy 2 and 2 Corinthians 10. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. Paul is writing the church at Thessalonica and he said, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Fathers are to exhort, to comfort and charge his children that you would work, walk worthy of God who called you unto his kingdom and glory. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word study, that Greek word also means this. It was referring to ministers like I am, but it's also to ministers in the home. If you study it out, it means endeavor, be diligent, labor, use speed, make effort, be prompt, be earnest to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, men who work in their home, who are ministers that needeth not to be ashamed, understanding the word of God, make haste, be endeavor, make endeavor, be prompt, be diligent, to be approved, here it is, to be approved unto God. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 18 said, for it is not the man who praises and commends himself who is approved and accepted, but it's the person whom the Lord accredits and commends. It's not the person that praises himself, but it's the one to whom God turns and says, I approve of you, I commend you, and I recognize you. Deep in the heart of every father is a longing to be approved by his children, his spouse, and his peers. But in the man of God, he wants his father to say, you are a good man. You are a good minister. I approve of your work in your home. See, it's important to have the blueprints before you ever build a house. It's important to know the destination before you ever begin the journey. And it's important to know that health is before you, what health is before you start diagnosing weaknesses. And it's important for us to know what God expects so that we can be approved. If not, we're going to take the cues of the world and says, this is what a father is. This is what a man in the house is. And get to the end of our race, climbing this tall ladder, only to find out that the ladder is against the wrong building. And I don't want the success the world offers. I want to hear my father say, you are good and faithful, not to the church first, to your home. You'll see things on uh, advertisements and this will cure baldness and this will help you with that hammer toe you got and all of this. And he'll say, but these statements have not been approved by the FDA, which means we just decided to say it. And if you believe the product, just buy it for four installments of 1995. And if you act now, we'll give you twice as much of the stuff that doesn't work. <laughs> and you know why they show those ads at two in the morning? Because those people aren't employed and they don't have anything to sell. We just watch them buy the stuff. Because if you're employed, you have to. Anyway, I want to be approved. 
I want the statements that I make about my home to be endorsed by God. God grants honor to men who are fathers, Christian men. He grants them great authority, great influence, and great responsibility. We will give an account for our lives, not just our lives, but the ones that look to us and call us daddy. We'll be accountable for knowing the way. We'll be accountable for showing the way. We'll be accountable for staying the way and leaving no obstacle in the way for our children to stumble over. We are to chart the course, stock the ship, steer the vessel, and make sure that we make it safely in to the destination God has planned for us. God approved fathers. Very quickly, let me just read this to you. Every father has had a father. Some good, some bad, some distant, some near, but all of us had one. We may have never met him, but we've had one. And every father has traveled his own unique path into manhood. Don't tell me how I ought to do until you've walked how I've had to walk. And every father has his own unique history and his own DNA. I can't be like the dad up the street. I can't be like your dad or granddad. I've come my own path and I have my own DNA. And every father feels the heat of the spotlight. He sees the sand pouring through the hourglass of his life and he feels betrayed by his physical body that seems to be wearing out far, far too soon. Can I have an amen, fellas? If it don't hurt, it don't work, you know. Every father has had his share of trauma, unbearable pain, unspeakable loss and consuming regret. We feel the pressure. We feel the pressure to be more. We feel the pressure to be better. We feel the pressure to excel, to exceed, to be promoted. But today, I want to focus on this part of being a father. I could just go on and on about the responsibilities of the father. And like it or not, take it or leave it or dismiss it. The single most significant and important role in the home is the father. It's the father. Not that we're better, not that we're better equipped, but we're responsible. Because if there's trouble in the home, God doesn't talk to Sarah. He goes right to Abram. When there's trouble in the home, God talks to dad. So fathers, I want to be an encouragement to you today. I want to set out uh, a destination for you. And for those of you in this room that are without a dad, and you're asking the Lord to put a father figure in your life, whether you're male or female, if he doesn't have these things, he ain't the one. If he doesn't have the things I'm about to share with you, he is not the one because your loving father wouldn't put in an imitator in your life. Father, I thank you, this, first of all, that I get to call you father. We who don't have one understand how important that name is, and I bless you today. I pray for an anointing on my words this morning that you would let me speak with clarity and with unction and with power. Let my words be like the pen of a ready writer. Let me speak to the heart of people's soul today for your glory Help us to see you in ourselves and help us aspire to be God-approved fathers. In Jesus' name, amen. God-approved fathers, number one, must first be sons. And I'm not talking about son to your earthly father, but you must first live fully your sonship before you can be a father to sons and to daughters. I didn't say you couldn't father them. I didn't say you couldn't birth them, and I didn't say you couldn't pay their bills. But you will not be God-approved 
until you live out experientially your sonship to your heavenly father because everything that God wants you to be for them will be birthed in your relationship to God. You must first be a son. We will never be a better father than we are a son. Wives, you will never be a better mother than you are a daughter. I could quit right there. Experientially, I must fully enter into his covering, his discipline, his empowerment, his speaking over my life that I can then translate and pass on that which I've learned of God. Because it's in our relationship and our experiences with God that we become. Our identity is forged in those experiences and we can be naturally and spontaneously all we need to be in our family because we have been raised, watch, perfectly. Maybe your dad wasn't the one. Maybe he fathered you according to the world's laws and you're just trying to wing it and that is a hellish burden to carry. How do I father when I didn't have a father? But if you're fathered by God, you can give that which you've received. You can pass on that which you've learned. You can impart that which has been deposited because you were raised perfectly. You can now raise perfectly. As a son, I learned to trust and live carefree. Not because ignorance is bliss, but because my faith in my father drives out all fear. Ain't no fear in my house because I'm not afraid. We need fathers that aren't afraid of nothing. And we're not, it's not that you don't see it coming. We're, we're human. We have eyes. It's not that bad news can't reach us. But by living as a son, I understand that my daddy will take care of it. Do you remember? Those of you that were raised well and raised right, you didn't stay up at night biting your fingers. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because daddy was there. And your heavenly father whispers words like this. I'll never leave you. Nor for say, we ain't going under. I'll cause you to triumph. And see, as I live as a son, I understand that ain't no fear. Close my job. You're not my source. Move me. Take my retirement. Not that I'm asking you to do it. Some of you have the power to take anyway. Because in the end, you don't dictate to me what happens in my life. I've got a daddy looking after me. And what we're trying to do is be fathers without the experience. How can I create carefree if I don't live carefree? I don't want my children seeing daddy sitting at the table telling mama, what we gonna do, what we gonna do? And if you live longer than two years married with children, you gonna hit what are we gonna do? And watch, you take off your fatherly coat, you go into the room as a son, what are we gonna do? I got it taken care of. You come back in here and put your coat on. I got it taken care of. <laughs> I don't know if you understand this, but this is truth here. As a son, we learn to live as a child. Playful, awe and wonder. A learner, expectant, excited, forward-looking. Just because you old don't have, mean you have to be old, Papa. You know what energizes a home? A childlike father. Not in everything. Don't test me. You'll see I'm grown. Not in everything. But that childlikeness excitement 
that'll skip with his daughter through a Walmart, play in the sand with his son, go to the ball field. I think God wants us to translate that. There's no way I'm going to finish all this. I got, there's no way. I got a lot of preaching in me this morning. Sorry. Son of God, we need to learn to trust and live carefree. We need to learn to live as a child. We need, as a son, we learn our significance and value so that we can impart significance and value. See, as a son, I learned that I am more important to him than anything. Anything. See, you think you're God's favorite. I'm his favorite. And you think he delights in you, but no, I'm, you know, little kids, I'm the favorite. And so see, when I come in my father's presence and it is as if no one else exists, when my little girls come in my presence, we close the computer, we turn that stupid thing off and we go, hey, and I'm not doing that. We don't do that fathers because we're good guys. We do it because we learned what significance feels like and what value. See, I can't be that unless I have this. And with him saying, come unto me and I'll never turn you away. Means I'm never too busy for you. If I have to stay up later, if we got to move stuff around, I can pass on significance and value. And if I am worth the death of his son, and I believe that, that I'm worth that to God. And that he loves me even as he loves Christ. Even, even equal. I can pass on that significance and value to my children. As a son, we learn patience because we remember how slow we were to develop with God. We don't live demanding of our children. How can you be demanding of them when you live so brain dead over here? Rebellious. I just never talked to my mother like that. But if you live experientially your sonship, you realize I need to cut these kids a break because God could have zapped me a couple of times. Anybody else? Okay. As a son, we learn how important it is to feel loved, to feel forgiven, and to be enjoyed. If you feel love, you want other people to feel it. If you feel forgiven, you want them to know, don't ever bring that up again. And can I tell you, I, I don't have the vocabulary to tell you how this has transformed my life. Several years ago, when the Lord whispered to me that he enjoyed me, it just wrecked my heart. He goes, all that little weird strangeness about you. I like it. Really. Those, that sense of humor that you have that's really off like a note. It's off just one note. I like it. I don't know that I could explain to you how it feels to know that he enjoys me. But it makes me want to come out of that and let the people I love, like Haley and Kylie and Sabra and Jimmy, Katie and my wife and Olivia and Isabel, that I enjoy them just like they are. And see, we must first have this revelation before we can have that impartation. I can't give you what I don't have. Listen, I can't give you what I don't have. I can't just decide, I'm going to enjoy you. No, no. That don't work, catfish. You can't just, they know the difference. We're going to have a good time if it kills us. We're going to Disney World and we're going to enjoy it. As a son, we learn the value of recognition, affirmation, and approval. 
He affirms me. He recognizes me and he approves of me. God approved fathers must first be sons. Number two, they must love their wives. You are not God approved if you do not love your wife. Ephesians 5, 25 says, husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In my generation, every fourth Sunday, they preach the message, submit to the wife, submit to the man in all things, submit, submit. And they left out this part that came first. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? He loved them first before we ever loved him. He loved the church willingly. He loved the church passionately. He loved the church wholeheartedly. He loved the church sacrificially. He loved the church tenderly. He loved the church provisionally. He just, you could just go on and on and on. And he said, now, love your wife that way. And I've never met a woman that wouldn't submit to someone that loved them like that. The problem is, yes. And this is hard for us, guys, because we're selfish just like they are. They didn't tell us, didn't, we are. See, you, you got to get used to your humanity. It didn't tell the wife to love the husband like Christ loved the church. It started with the men. Love her. Because the greatest need of a woman is to be loved. And it tells the woman, now, let him lead. Because the greatest need of a man is to provide and lead. And even though you have equal giftings and you may be better, I'm asking you to give him the gift by taking a step back and letting him lead, fulfilling his greatest need, him fulfilling your great need, and together you become the perfect, balanced head for that home. Husbands, love your wife. I love my babies way better than I love my wife. You're not God approved. The greatest thing you can do for your children is love your wife. Well, she ain't easy to love. You picked her. My wife changed. You think? You've been married 30 years. You, you, you expected no change. I just sometimes want to tell the fellas, just, let, let's just pull up a full-length mirror. Put, it, put out your college picture. Did you change? Did we change? We're all going to change. We're going to be better. We're going to be worse. We're going to do all of this thing. But God didn't ask you to love her if she didn't change. He said, love her, watch, so that you might be approved. Because you're my representation. You're my representation of what heaven's like. The church is like. Whenever God taught the church, he said, it's just like husband and wife. Love, the, love your wife. Love your wife. Husbands, dwell with your wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto her as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayer be not hindered. And it also says, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. What do you mean weaker vessel? So there's some of us in here, our wife is smarter. Our wife is better looking. Our wife is more kind, more friendly, more hospitable. How is she the weaker vessel? She's better than me. Well, first of all, God didn't lie. And so weaker vessel, if you study it out, this is what it means. Like in your cabinet, you have a fine crystal glass and you have an iced tea glass that you got four for a dollar. You can bounce that iced tea glass off the ground and come back up to your hand. You hit the little crystal and it shatters. Here's what God's word says. No, it's, it has nothing to do with gift or intellect. She can't take what you take. Did you know in this woman's movement that happened over the last 30 years, 
Did you know what has transpired in the medical community? The number one cause of disease and death for women today is heart failure. Because they've stepped out in front, some not of their own choosing, and had to take upon the role of the man and they were weaker and they weren't able to take it. They may be, please hear me, maybe smarter, maybe more gifted, but they were designed for the husband to be out front because it was God's way. And who are we to question God's way? I'm not smarter than my wife. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. She got the degree. She got the summa cum laude. I got thank you, laude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I am designed to take the hit a little better than her. Did you know that I have to be careful what I share with her that goes on here? Because she's wounded so much more easily. Do you love your wife this morning? I know it's hard. Marriage is hard work. When it works, it's hard. And when it don't work, it's real hard. But God has given you everything you need to finish your course. And through humility and prayer and tenderness, you can love your wife. God-approved fathers do. Number three, God-approved fathers must take care of themselves. Did you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are not your own and you were bought with a price. Then therefore glorify God with your body. You must steward your own life before you can effectively steward someone else. You are to take care of yourself physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, etc., etc. Many men fail here and they act noble about it. For the cause of my family, I don't go to bed. You don't go to bed. Haven't been to bed in three weeks. I tell you, I'm great. I took on the third job, got my wife a new car. I have a bleeding ulcer now that they can only treat. I drink milk of magnesia with my meal and I'm gonna die 10 years younger, but I'm great because I'm, and I'll get to this in a little bit, I'm a provider. No, you're a fool. Anybody lost a dad when they were young? We don't need more stuff. We need you around. We need you here. And even if we complain about, even if we complain, even if we complain, you're the parent. Ignore our childlike foolishness and take care of yourself. Get the rest you need. Be good mentally. Be good physically. Be good with mama. Be good spiritually. Because if you're not well, we're not well. And if you're not balanced, we're not balanced. And if you're not strong, we're not strong. Take care of yourself because God will never do it for you, daddy. God will never do it for you. I'll have guys come to the altar sometimes in incredibly high-stress situations. Not to take care of their family, but to live at this level. And they're overweight, they're ulceric, and their body is sending all these signals. And they'll come and say, Pastor, would you anoint me with oil and pray for me? Of course I will. And I know in my spirit, I know in my spirit, God's sitting there with his arms folded. You can pray till you pass out. 
He refuses to take care of himself and his body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I wrote in my word, he who defiles the temple, I'll destroy him. We need you to take care of you. Be good. You know what revival's gonna look like for some of us? You're gonna downsize. You're gonna go from the 2013 car to the 2008. We need one that runs, fine. We're gonna move from this house to a smaller house. This is not the key to everybody, but this is the key to some of you. You're gonna give up your country club so that you can have love on a budget at home and you're gonna live long and see your babies have babies. Take care of yourself. God-approved fathers are stewards of their own life. And you can play the odds and gamble if you want to. But if you don't take care of your body, your body will quit on you. And we need you around. Because fathers and husbands are irreplaceable. And no one can do that for you. It's hard. It's hard going from doing nothing to working out. You know, you tie your shoes and you pass out. That's a sign. (laughs) That's a sign. You go to get your mail and you have to stop, you know, halfway to the street. And all these young people on Facebook has a way of discouraging me to no end. They post, so-and-so at Planet Fitness at 10 o'clock. said, just left Planet Fitness, 1.30. I'm like, just jogged 21 miles. Just ate a Whopper. What's up with that? I just ate a Whopper. But I also have to get out and walk. I gotta, we, gotta, we gotta do what we can do so I can go to God with integrity when I ask him to heal me. If you wanna be God approved, you must take care of yourself, love your wife, and first be a son. Number four, God approved fathers are providers. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, if anyone does not take care of his own relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I wouldn't give you eight pennies for a lazy man. Won't take care of, I talked a moment ago about the guy with three jobs and you got these other people. Lord, send me some work. Find your own work. Take care of your family. We're providers and men find glory in that. I provide for my family. Listen, but if you, what what would you think if some man says, my children know where, how to buy food. They can go buy their own food. Go get their own job. They're hiring out Wendy's. You don't even have to be of age. They'll just hire you. Go get your own job. Fend for yourself. There's men in this church that have ski mask ministry. I ain't told you about it lately. They put on a ski mask. They go visit that man. Take him out back and have a deliverance service. He comes back. He comes back. I think I want to take care of my kids now. (laughs) Men just provide. We don't let them wing it. We provide. So how do, you, how do you wrap your mind around doing that financially and not spiritually? We don't just provide money. We provide wisdom. We provide influence. We provide an example. We provide stability and st- security. We're not picking up and changing our mind every two months or three months and moving and shifting. We provide all that's necessary, not wanted, necessary for the well-being of our home. We provide husbands, fathers. Are you the one that comes to church with your kids? 
or do you initiate the movement towards God? If your wife is the initiator, she's wearing the pants in your family. My wife will never be the one that decides if we go to church. Look me in the face. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's my call. That's my decision. That's my joy. And I wouldn't let another man feed on a regular basis my children. And I won't let someone else feed my children. I will see to it that we go to a house of worship where God is exalted and the word of God is preached. I will see to it as the priest of my home. I'm providing these things. And I want no other man doing that. And because of lukewarmness or apathy or maybe just not knowing, we've let others do it. And there'll be men today, not because Pastor John preached it, but because the spirit of the Lord in their heart quickens them. They won't get out the door good and they're gonna tell their wife, I'm sorry, I, I can't make up, but I'm gonna be the one. Hey, let's read scripture or Bible story. And yeah, it's awkward when you've not done it, but it don't stay awkward. Daddy's going to pray with you. Your daughter comes in from school and she's worried and you hold her and say, I, I don't even need to know. Come here. Father, I just pray for my little baby. You, you provide. Let's don't sell it short and say it just means room and board and Georgia power and school. You're the provider of all of it. That doesn't mean your wife can't help. It doesn't mean there can't be support and it, can't mean, it doesn't mean that you don't ever lean on. But the initiator... The initiator of spiritual provision, financial provision, falls on the man. And listen, if the wife makes more than the man, that still doesn't mean that she's the provider. You can make less than your wife and be the provider, which means in my heart, I'm out front leading away. God approves of that man. It's like the good shepherd in Psalms 23. You're the shepherd of your home. If the father is the shepherd, there is no lack. They shall not want. He provides green pastures to rest in. He provides still waters of safety. He provides restoration of what is lost or taken from them in this ungodly world. He provides an example of righteousness to travel in. He provides confidence in adversity and conflict and danger. They don't fear in his home because thou art with me. Father is with me. He provides tables of acceptance and celebration in the worst of circumstances. He anoints them with his presence. His life overflows in their cup, in his goodness, in, his, in the wake of his goodness and mercy that follows them. His whole life produces that and then they want to dwell with him forever. God approved fathers are providers. And can I just add this one tagline? And they're not martyrs because they do it. I love the man that works hard and come home late and his wife's waiting on the porch for him. Say, welcome home. And he doesn't give her that look. That look, y'all know, y'all are lucky to have me up in here. He kisses her and he grabs his little babies in his arm. Daddy's home. And he goes, oh, and, and mama will say something in their hearing like, thank you for taking care of us. And he goes, oh, it's my joy. That's who we are. You're made in the image of God and he provides your everything. So let me just say this quickly to the wife. Don't be frustrated with him and act curt with him when he longs to do better for you. He was made that way. In the same way milk flows from your breast at the sound of your children, he sees what they don't have and he yearns to provide. And if that boy you're dating doesn't yearn to provide, he ain't the one. 
He's not the one. He wants to provide. God-approved fathers are protectors. They are the ones that block the wind. They're the first to feel the heat. Take the impact, the brunt of what's coming. Just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they were coming to get him. And they said, uh, who do you, he said, who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. Let them go. I don't care what you do to me. Let them go. Now, I've only been a father of these infants a little over 11 months. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just telling you. Somebody ever tried to hurt them? You ain't never lived till a preacher whipped you. I'm, I'm telling you. I am telling you. I have had people spit in my face in the name of Jesus and cuss. I, I've had, listen, won't rob me. I, I'll, hit, I'll whip you so bad. <laughs> There's just a part of us, that protector. And it, listen, it's not just physical harm. I want to protect you from the world's philosophies. I want to protect you from the way of thinking. I don't think you need to be exposed to this. And fathers have to walk a lonely path because immature children don't see what they're protecting them from. And I'm 12 and you're ruining my life. And you can't say what you're thinking. You, you look just like your mother then. But I'm not going to say that. I'm not. Hey, on Mother's Day, I'm going to give the mom some stuff. So hold on, okay. No, I'm not ruining your life. And then they shut the door and that little girl that you would go to hell for doesn't understand that you're protecting her. Listen to me. But God didn't call me to be your BFF. He called me to protect you and block. I can already see them guys coming to my house wanting to date my little girl and walk in and out cool and, you know, and they, said, I, they walk in the door and say, hey, Mr. Wood, hey, you guys want a beer? Yeah, get your behind out of my house. That's what I'm going to tell them. I'm going to have little tricks, little traps set up all for them. Got a bone running through your nose and something else. No, 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 no. Fathers protect us from evil, from the unknown, from ourselves, and from what we cannot see. Little kids are this tall. I'm this tall. I see stuff they don't see. And I know what my calling is, protect them. It's, in the, it's this ministry that's most often resisted and unappreciated until the father's gone. And some of us in the room, our father's dead now and we look back on our childhood and we think it differently now because we realize daddy was our protector. We wanna be cool like the other girl's daddy who when she gets grown, she'll say, I wish I had that one's daddy. Cause mine was 40 going on 15 and he was a fool. And I might not be understood, but I'll be approved. Live to be approved. And these fathers do this protecting instinctively, without thought, without hesitation, without fear, and without an option. It's my role. And I've already set my face to be the one that says, no. My wife ain't gonna be the bad guy. I'm gonna be the bad guy. Nope. But you don't know him. Nope. He's not like that. Nope. Nope. And I'm giving you a little bit of humor, but I want you to hear my heart. One day I'm going to stand naked before God Almighty and said, you saw that and you wanted your daughter to say, thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. More than you wanted me to say, well done. So if I see it, 
I'm going to stop it. This is good. God-approved fathers are promoters. I've only got a couple more and I'll be done this morning. If you're looking for a man as a father figure, or if you're looking for a husband, if he's got to be better than you and he's got to be better than the kids and he's got to be the bride at every wedding, the corpse at every funeral, he's not the one. Fathers put their children and their wife on their shoulders so that they can have better and more than them. I want to promote you. I want to empower you. I want to make deposit in you so that if you hit a home run, I'm more excited about your home run than I was my home run. In one way, my best days are behind me because I'm not living for me no more. I'm living for her and my little girls. Fathers want to see their children excel. They provide for their future. They set money away. I might not have got the new bass boat. I might not got the old bass boat, but my baby's got money for school. That kind of mentality. We promote. They equip their children. They encourage them. They compel them. They challenge them. They push them. They're like a moving sidewalk, carrying their family further and faster. Fathers want their wife and children to do more, to have more, and to experience more than they themselves had. At Christ's baptism, God the Father spoke. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. He speaks audibly from heaven, displaying the heart of a father and said, don't focus on me. Focus on him. One of my most vivid memories of my earthly dad, he used to love going to our ball games and we all played football and he would scream and he called us baby. That's my babies. And we'd tell him, you know, you're nine, eight. You're like, Daddy, don't, don't say babies. It's, you know, might as well hang a sign around my neck that says, kick my butt at recess. You know, don't, don't say babies. And he would run down the, the side of the field while I'm running with the football. He's running beside me. Go, baby. Go, baby. And he'd run. And if I get tackled, he'd come to stop, you know. And you'd wake up. You'd get up and look up at him. And he's, and he's just so excited. And one, one day, I had a long run. And I was one of them little guys that ran out of fear. I didn't know the play. I didn't know the play, but I knew who was chasing me and I could get up the street. And I was running down the field and slow motion, my daddy like, go baby, go baby. And he hit a light pole about this big. <laughs> and you could hear, it sounded like you hit it with a ball ping hammer. Yeah, the whole place just went quiet. Ping. It's like he looked and went straight back. <laughs> but it was always, it wasn't like, hey, when your daddy played football, and I know that's a small thing, but it's always wanting them to do better further. And they delight in how your day went. They delight in your successes. I want to be the man that they want to tell the good news first to. Because I'm more excited about that than somebody approving me at work or recognizing me at work or giving me a plaque. I'd rather have the picture from my five-year-old daughter than the gold plaque from work. You know what I'm saying? They promote, and the father in your life ought to have made you better than you could have been on your own. Number seven, they're prophets. God-approved fathers are prophets, not in the sense where they foretell biblical events, but the office of a prophet, the father operates in it. Listen, they see what others do not see. They see it first. They see it clearly. They see it multidimensionally. They see it connectively. 
They see it in color and they know what, know what to do with what they see. They feel what other people don't feel intuitively about what they're doing. You might not relate to this, but recently, a couple months ago, I was in my car and I, I just had the idea, we're moving. We're moving. And within a week or two, someone called me and said, you, you gonna sell your house? And this other house came available. It's only three minutes from the church. It's a thousand more square foot to raise my babies. That didn't make me spiritual. It just means that I got to know stuff to lead right. And a father will know things intuitively. And God might be talking to your wife first because you don't listen. And you got to say, Lord, I, I want to know. I want to see it first. I want to hear it first. I want to feel what others don't feel. Prophets know what others don't know. They say what others do not have the right authority or power to say. They speak forth that which they believe and they name their children. They declare out of their mouth who they are. I've told you often the greatest harm in my life was that my daddy died before he told me who I was. And in the Old Testament, they didn't just name kids, you know, Shanene or, you know, Earl or Chuck or what. I'm not saying those are bad names. They didn't just whatever come out of their mouth, you know. That's Billy Bob Jones right there. I'm gonna call him Billy Bob Jones. Their names meant something because what it stood for is if the father spoke over them in the spirit and said, I see this in you. The children then had the power and the path to become that. Rachel was dying. If our musician would come, please. Rachel was dying and she's giving birth to, to Jacob's boy. And as she died, she said, his name is son of my sorrow. And she pushed, she'd already pushed him forth and the, the nursemaid had it, son of my sorrow, and she died. And Jacob came in the tent and said, your wife said, his name is son of my sorrow. And he's holding his little boy like this. He said, my wife was wrong. This boy's name, son of my strength, son of my right hand, I see it. And that boy became the lineage of kings. And I see in my daughters things that I've shared with them. Ministry, wholeness, companionship. I see them. I told one recently, I said, it's right around the corner. I don't know, it's just, it's close. It's right around the corner. And as a prophet, you've got to step out on nothing and say what you think. We're moving. You're going to be something. I know you feel weak. I know you feel you're not as gifted as your little brother, but you're going to be something. You tell that one, you got three kids, and you look at one, God's hands on your life. Come here. And you speak over them. And those words that you speak provide permission to become that. The prophets. Who's speaking over your babies if you're not? If all you're doing is providing a house and school, somebody's going to step in and tell them who they are on your shift. Already praying over my little girls. I don't know. They just drool on me and bite on me. I don't know if they hear it, whatever. And I'll just hold them and I'll say, Isabel loves the word of God. She's a woman of faith. Isabel loves to worship. Olivia is so tender. I just speak it. I just speak it. Oh, that's ridiculous. You raise them your way, 
I'm going to raise him my way. Izzy loves the Lord. Izzy don't like them gangster boys. No, she don't. No, she don't. <laughs> Izzy, you know, just whatever you, whatever you see. And finally, God approved fathers are priests. And I know, listen, I've, I want the men to know I've identified, I've put myself in your place. You can hear something like this and have all the feelings. Yeah, his babies ain't but 10 months old. Who does he think he is? I'm nobody. I go ahead and ask you, who do I think I am? I'm next. I got my shot. I'm just next. But listen to me. I trust that if you're not operating in this last point, I trust I say it so clearly that you're offended at me and you change. I trust I say it so clearly that you get offended at me and change. God approved fathers are priests. And if you're not the priest in your home, they don't have one. Well, the mama steps in. She's not the priest. She can be godly influence. She can be nurturing and good and kind and pray over them. You are the priest of your home. You're either a bad one or a good one. You're either a bad one or a good one. And it's hard to be a priest when you don't feel good about yourself. It's hard to stand up and preach to other people when you're divorced. It's hard to be. It's hard to preach wholeness when you're broken. It's hard to preach example when you failed. I get it. I got it. But I'm a priest nonetheless and we got to do what we got to do. And you just man up and you say, let's start again. And you go in the room where your wife usually prays with him. You said, baby, let me pray tonight. It can be simple. God, I just thank you for my little girl and I love her tonight and I know she loves me. Amen. Start where you got to start, but take the robe off your wife and put it on your shoulders. Be the priest of your home. I don't want anybody else going in his presence first. So I'm here on behalf of Isabel and Olivia. And I lift my hands to you on their behalf. And I'm the in-between, the hedge. When you get home, look up at Hebrews 11. And it said, and Noah by faith built an ark to the saving of his family. They didn't even pray. He saved them through his righteousness. What I want to do is just leave this challenge. I respect you so much as men. This is your decision. You will either be God approved or God disapproved. And God's given you everything you need to do it. I'd like the men here that have families with them. If you've got a wife or children, if you're here by yourself, you can remain seated. Would you just come and like stand around the front or around the wall here? Just make some space and come and turn this way, would you? And just leave room. We're going to kind of spread out, even if we have to go up the walls. Just the men. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn, but just look this way. Wow. Just guys, if you'll spread out and go down that wall there and down this wall here, we're going to have your families come join you in just a second. Guys, would y'all spread that way for me, if you will, and go up that wall. And guys, would you go up that wall too? We're going to need the room. Almost every Father's Day, I ask the children to come pray with their dads and bless them. But I'm going to kickstart. Some of you do this all the time. I want you to speak over your family. 
as you put your hands on them. It can be a sentence. There's no performance here. And we're going to ask God, listen, to kickstart us, to wake up our prayer life, to wake up our devotional life, to stir up our spirit, because in this climate, it is impossible to be a dad. It is impossible. Who's sufficient for these things? How in this climate? It's going to have to be the power of God. But priests are empowered to do the will of God. Priests are. So now we might have to move around here, but if your husband's up here or if your dad's up here, and now some wives have it difficult because they have a father figure and their husband, you can pick what you need to do. But I want you to come join them now and make your own little circles. Okay, come join them. Just make your own little circles. Kelly, are you back yet? I can't see. Okay, dads, just one by one with your wife and your children, just pray a blessing over them, would you?
Church family, would you stand with us? Y'all stay there. If you're still praying, that's fine. Everyone, you haven't seen him in a while. This is Isabel. I think I got Isabel. Is that right? Hey, Izzy. Izzy, you want to show him this right here? Hey, get it, get it. This is Olive. Hey, give, can you smile? <laughs> okay, I'm going to try one trick. You know, they never do it on cue. You ready? You ready? Shoot, doobie. Daddy's little girls. Shoot. You ready, show them? We dance in the morning. We dance at night. Dancing with my daddy makes me feel all right. Yeah. How about that? That was all right. So as you spend the day with your families today and for those dads that are alone and those people that are without fathers like myself, may the comfort and the peace of the Holy Spirit be yours. Sometimes we just have to go spend the day with our invisible dad. If you have a father and there's, it doesn't put you in harm, be wise if it doesn't put you in harm. No matter how far they are or where they are, contact them. You can honor a dad without respecting him. Listen, you can honor him because of who you are. You don't honor him because of who he was. If he was not a good dad, but the Bible says if you honor him, it multiplies your days on the earth. And those of us that are dads, make sure you spend the day loving on them babies and your wife. Amen. I love y'all today. Happy Father's Day. God bless you. <laughs>